Hi, I'm Hetty. And this is Tina. And this is Love and Inclusion in, in the, the Real World. So today we're super excited. Yay, we, we have, have a guest again. Yeah, a guest again <laughs> and like um, a disability rights celebrity. Cele- uh, yes, I would say a celebrity. A celebrity. For sure. And also I feel like somebody who has really impacted the world in a way that that directly impacts our kids today. For right? sure, yeah. Like, so, like, big stuff. Like, big, big stuff. So we're super excited. Um, and she told us before we hit start that she's been being interviewed since she was age six, and she's not six anymore, just FYI. And um, so she's 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 the real deal, folks. The yep. real deal. I said, yep. folks, what am I, 90 today? <laughs> she, she could probably tell us how to conduct this interview. So at any rate, our guest today is Jennifer Keelan Chapin. And we um, just cannot wait to have you learn about um, just what she has done to impact our world. So should we get started? Well, before we do that, okay. I think you should share um, that she so graciously interviewed, Cora interviewed her. Yeah, so, so I think you should share that. Yeah, so, you know, I think that one of the most important things that adults can do is to really like model things for kids, right? And to um, kind of just show kids like, hey, this is the pop, these are the possibilities. And so um, Cora, my 13 year old, she had to do a project on, on the first part of it was on the civil rights era. Um, and then the second part of it was that she needed to interview somebody who had been part of a different um human rights movement right and so I was like well I don't know who she should interview and then I thought well that's crazy like I just have I just met met this amazing person right and so I reached out to Jennifer and said hey would you be open to Cora interviewing you and she said absolutely so um that was great and Cora was able to create like this slideshow about disability rights that includes um Jennifer and she was so nicely able to connect it to her like Cora could connect that to her own experience and just the realization that, hey, I have rights. I deserve my rights. Um, so it's really exciting thing to see. And part of. Jennifer, we're really grateful that you took the time to to chat with with Cora. And she was so excited. Um, was it yesterday? No, what day? Wednesday. I picked her up from school and she was telling me all about her slideshow and how she got to meet you. And then she just came into the room before we started recording and was like, that's Jennifer. Like, we, uh, obviously, we're still COVID friendly here. So um, we're doing this remotely again. So um, we're just so grateful for that, Jennifer. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I was happy to do it. Um, so with that being said, let's get right into it. Um, cause we don't want to use up all of our time telling you our stories. Um, so Jennifer, how about if you can just start by telling us a little bit of something? Well, um, as you said before, my name is Jennifer Keelan Chapins and I have been actively involved in disability rights and advocacy um, for people with disabilities um, since the age of six. I am most notably known for my involvement and participation in the Capitol Crawl protest, which was a protest um, in support of the passage for the Americans with Disabilities Act. And I did the Capitol Crawl at age eight. (laughs) And um, today I am a motivational speaker for disability rights and advocacy. I'm also the proud owner of Jennifer Keelan Chaffin's LLC and J. Casey Legacy. 
Right. A lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so cool. Like, I'm a little bit starstruck, even though this isn't my first time meeting you, but I'm just like, oh, oh wait, I'm supposed to ask you questions here. Sorry. I'm just like so in tune to listening to, to your story because it's always just so great. And yeah. just so, um, before we dive into these questions, can you kind of maybe talk a little bit about Capital Crawl for those who are listening and aren't familiar with that? Sure. Um, the Capital Crawl was a um, visual demonstration to show Congress why it was important to pass the ADA without further delay or weakening the amendments. Um, even though, um, even though the Senate had already passed an earlier version of the ADA, Congress was still stalling the passage of the ADA. And so to show Congress why it was important to pass the ADA without further delay, um, civil rights activists from across the country all gathered to march to Washington, D.C. and gathered at the Capitol. And we did the Capitol crawl to show Congress the importance of why the ADA needed to be passed and why um, why um, it was important to pass it and the physical barriers that people with disabilities faced on a daily basis. Yeah, so if you've never been to the Capitol, there's like this huge, huge flight of, of concrete stairs, right, that lead up to the people's house, right? <laughs> and um, so if you are using a wheelchair, uh, those steps present, you know, a barrier. And so that was a really symbolic um, way to show that really our whole country had those barriers that just prevented people from even getting into a space, let alone participating in whatever was happening there. And also I want to say, add because I, sometimes I think people think that this happened like a billion years ago, like they, like it just seems so far-fetched. So could you please share the year that this was? This happened in 1990, so it was 30 years ago. So yeah, so just 30 years ago, that, that's not really that long ago, right? In 1990, I mean, I swear that was yesterday, wasn't it? I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, and I also want to share for those who are listening, and I'm sure most of our listeners already know that um, ADA is Americans with Disability Act. So I just wanted to share that. I'm sure probably everybody that's listening knows, but it's always great if we get a listener that, um, that is just learning about disability and disability acts. So I just wanted to, to throw that out there too. Yeah. So a question that I have is how as a six year old girl, yeah. did you decide, hey, I wanna go to a protest, right? Because when I was six, I was like, hey, I wanna play with a Barbie doll. Like play with Barbie. So are in the dirt. Or... How did you get from like first grade to the capital? And activism. Activism. Well, when I was little, both my sister, my younger sister and I experienced um, a lot of many forms of discrimination. Um, keep in mind, this was prior to the ADA being passed. And so prior to the ADA being passed, there was not um, a lot of accessibility. There were no ramps, there were no curb cuts. Um, and so because of that, both my sister and I um, would experience discrimination mm -hmm. and we would often be separated from each other because of that. Um, for example, when my mom and I and my little sister tried to use the public bus, um, we were denied access to that public bus because the bus driver told us, 
Well, the, the lift is bolted down, so it's there for show, but not to use. Oh my and gosh. Then, and then, you know, sometimes when we would try to go to the public library or the museum, again, there would be physical barriers there that would prevent um, me from entering into the building. And so for a lot of times, um, there were places that Kaylee could go, but I couldn't. And we didn't want to be separated from each other. We wanted to do everything together. And it didn't just occur in like public spaces. It also occurred um, in the daycare setting. Um, a lot of times there were daycare centers that would tell my mom that they would accept Kaylee because she could walk, but that I would have to go to a separate daycare center because I couldn't. Or, um, you know, when I first started school, at our neighborhood school. They accepted Kaylee, but they wouldn't accept me because there were no ramps in the building. And they told me and um, my family that they didn't have um, a program that could meet my needs. And so, you know, a lot of times when we were, when Kaylee and I were little, um, we were we were separated in many, many ways. And, and we didn't like that. We wanted to find a way to change that. And so when I was six, Adapt National, came to Phoenix to protest the lack of wheelchair accessible buses. And they invited um, my mom and I and Kaylee to join them. And so this was the first time that I had seen other adults with disabilities, just like myself. And they were fighting for their civil rights. They were fighting for access and to be treated like everybody else with dignity and respect. And at first I didn't know quite what to think because it was the first time that I had ever seen this. But after carefully observing the adults at the protest, both Kaylee and I realized, hey, we could fight for our rights too. We don't have to <laughs> oh, be separated that. from each other. Um, we could go on the same bus together and go to the same school together. And that's when Kaylee and I realized that we wanted to become involved in the movement. And it really empowered me as a young child because I realized, hey, I didn't have to accept the status quo. I could change it. And even though I was young, I could change it. And so that really empowered me. That's so Yeah, cool. that's a really neat. And I love that how it wasn't just about you, right? Like it was about you and Kaylee, right? Like you guys were like, no, this isn't right, right? Like this isn't right. This isn't fair. She's my sister. I want to be with her. I love that. And, and I love how activism in a lot of families becomes a whole family affair right like yes. because because you live it and you're seeing it and i also want to challenge people out there who don't use a wheelchair how many times have you used a curb cutout right right and now uh, because there's yeah like if you have a baby in a stroller you um you're on a bicycle like all those kind of stuff and so i want you the next time you use a curb cutout i want you to just kind of you know be yay this is because of jennifer right like um and i mean because that's real right like and so um because a lot of times we like because we see them so often now um it becomes like a, a natural thing and we forget how hard it was to even get that to be to be a thing, right? And so, um, really, thank you for that. So, um, yeah, I, I I have to say I completely agree with your statement. You know, a lot of times, especially now, you know, since we do see curb cuts and 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 all those convenient things that people often can take for granted, 
we often forget what it took to get them there. Right. Yeah. I do think it's super important to know the history, right? And I think that part of the reason it's important to know the history too is so that we can apply it to today, right? Like, because there are still brothers and sisters who don't get to go to school together. <laughs> yeah. Right? And to say, like, you know what? There was a time when people said that like, this wasn't possible, but guess what? It was possible. Mm-hmm. Like, if we just thought about it and we and we designed things for everybody to have access, et cetera, et cetera, then it became possible. And so the thing you're saying right now is impossible, um, it's probably also possible right. to yeah. do. So I think that that's really exciting. Um, so are you still involved with ADAPT? Um, well, when I first met ADAPT, we, we were working on, um, on getting public transportation and getting lifts on buses. But currently, ADAPT National is working on some great um, some great things involving um, what's going on currently with COVID and with the um, healthcare policies. Um, and so I, I think that, um, that um, um, if I could get mom in here a little bit, she could explain a little <laughs> bit more about what, what ADAPT is doing currently. Uh, adapt national. <laughs> yeah, so let's introduce um, Jennifer's mom, Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia. Hi, Cynthia. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for, for joining. It's great to be with with you both and and your audience. And um, I'm just really excited to have this opportunity. And I was just kind of listening into the conversation here. And um, when Jennifer was young, one of her mentors um, was Bob Kafka. And Bob Kafka, of course, is is with National Adapt. And um, we met him um, when Jennifer did her first protest in Phoenix. And so along with Judy Human and um, Justin Dart Jr., um, Jennifer was like, I won't do a protest unless Bob is there. And so we kind of we kind of keep track of what Bob is doing. And, and um, we've actually been, he does a, um, a podcast too called Barrier Free Futures. And it's uh, KSFR Santa Fe Community College even though Bob is in Texas. And um, so he, um, you know, he interviews some some pretty good people um, that are working on national issues, as well as um, very informative on what to do on locally. And so um, he recently did um, an interview on February 20th, if people want to check it out. It has to do with community integration and home and community-based services and making sure that uh, policies are created where the dollars are dedicated to that. Um, And when I say dedicated, I think that kind of means that even though states kind of make their own decisions, um, there will be dedicated funding to that. So Senator Casey right now is one of the leaders in disability policy. And we have SB, um, Senate Bill 151 and House Bill 525. These are all things that um, nationally the disability community is going to want to get behind Um, and because it's going to make a big difference in our kids living independently in the community and having supports follow them. And um, I suspect. Cynthia, can I just ask you a real quick question? Because we want to we want to um, reference these bills on um, on the notes when we post it. You said Senate Bill one five one and House Bill um, one two five, right? Five two five. 
Yes. 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 I feel like already we're going to have to say there's going to need to be a part two. Part two. <laughs> like running out, running out, running out. And I feel like we haven't even asked you maybe a third of the things that we wanted to ask you. And so like as a cliffhanger, I think we'll save like the whole Capital Crawl story for the next time. But what I would really love for you to share is, um, you know, you've done a lot and accomplished a lot um, as an activist right like you're an activist and a word that is frequently applied to people who have disabilities is self-advocate right and i think that they are those two words have different connotations right like they kind of say different things i think and so um what do you do you think there's a difference between being an activist and being a self-advocate like, what is your perspective? Well, I personally, I view myself as both. Okay. Um, because um, I feel that they're often, um, they're often and can be often intertwined. Okay. Uh, and that's just from my personal experience. Um, you know, as an activist, I participated in activism so that I could um, use my voice to um, to um, create political change because I I knew that political change needed to happen and advocacy is often viewed as you know someone or something that um, where they they advocate for policies um, that are um, that are in place. And so I, I view myself as both. I view myself as, as an ad, advocate and an activist because I think that for me personally, um, they, you know, they're intertwined and, and they often are. That's, I, I really love that yeah. perspective because here's the thing is like, when you, when we talk about um, like kids who are labeled with an intellectual disability, self-advocate is often just a euphemism for somebody who maybe isn't as capable as non-disabled people and so i love your perspective of it right because that's a really um strong empowering perspective so thank you for that i i appreciate i, that I feel that um you know i i understand um you know what, what you're talking about and and what you're saying when when you talk about, you know, how often people view self-advocacy as um, for someone that's not quite capable. I don't view it that way. I think that, um, you know, that that is a that's perspective um, from, you know, from the perspective, basically, I, you know, I view it as, you know, because I am both well, I'm actually all three. I am I am a self advocate because I, you know, in particular when it comes to my healthcare, um, you know, I'm in complete charge of my healthcare and how things are allocated and and what goes on with that. And so, because of that, I do self advocate um, for my for my healthcare. I also self advocate for my um, accommodations and my assistive technology. Um, and I also believe that as parents, we are both at, you know, you guys are both, all of you are 
both advocates and activists because you want to keep the policies that are that are in place that are um you know enforcing everybody's rights but you also want to be able to create political change if something needs to change and 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 be more necessary and so i think that those connotations of self-advocacy versus act activism versus um activists um you know i i often believe that they are um intertwined with each other well, thanks so much for that. That helps me a lot. Um, so here's the sad thing is we're like almost at the end of our 30 minutes. <laughs> so would you be willing to come again and do a part two? Sure. Yeah, that would be okay. great. Okay. Because we still have some questions to go over. And I think that our listeners would love to hear more from you. So um, I, I feel like we're cutting you short, but <laughs> we just have that, you know, that constraint. So um Thanks so much. Uh, thank you so much for coming and for the wisdom that you just shared with me. That helps me as a mom. Mm -hmm. It really, really does. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. Anything else? No, I just, I'm so grateful for both of you being here and, um, and just sharing um, not only your knowledge, but your spirit, right? Like, um, just so grateful so we're gonna have jennifer back listeners and in the meantime you should get online and you should youtube search the capital crawl so that you can see jennifer as an eight-year-old doing this amazing um like world changing thing it's really super cool um and and um and i think it'll make you be even more interested in hearing what she has to share with us at our next um, time together so all right. Well, thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Cynthia. Thanks, Cynthia. Awesome. Thank you. It's great talking with you. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> All right. So this is Hetty. And this is Tina. And this is Love and Inclusion. In the real world. In the world. real world. <laughs>